Hey everyone, welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. This is Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama, and it is January 17th, Sunday, and I'm so glad that you're here. I want to welcome Gerald Roberts, who is our Minister of Music and uh, also our keyboardist, Annie Ingram, who is our percussionist and our trumpeter, and also Jason Wright, who is leading us in vocals and is our worship leader for today. Thank you guys so much for bringing your musical talents to our service, and um, we thank you. As we prepare ourselves for the worship service today, I would like to encourage you to get your elements for communion, your crackers or your bread, your juice or your wine. Bring a candle into your space and light it as we welcome in the light of Christ. I want you to be aware that Ash Wednesday is coming up in exactly one month from today. For those of you who don't know, Ash Wednesday is the first day of the season of Lent, our time of reflection and preparation as we journey with Jesus towards the cross, the 40 days until Easter. Ash Wednesday is the day that we receive the ashes on our foreheads to symbolize our inevitable mortality. It's an important way for us to begin the season because it's balanced by the fact that God overrules our death through Jesus's resurrection on Easter Sunday. So I'll post an Ash Wednesday service online this year and we'll be sending ashes home with you to administer yourselves. That is, if you're a member of our congregation, if you live in the area and would like to receive some of those ashes, please just contact me through the website www.fccanniston.org. So mark your calendars for February 17th, the first day of Lent. And now, today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you sing with me now our hymn of praise, Jesus shall reign wherever the sun.
today's scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of, of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So today we are three days away from, an, from inaugurating a new president, and many people in our country are furious because they have been led to believe that one party stole the vote from the other party. While the FBI, the Supreme Court, and other national agencies say that there is no evidence of any significant voter fraud in any of the questioned states, many people choose to believe otherwise. And so yesterday, our general minister and president of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ submitted a letter to the Christian Church encouraging congregations that meet in person to be extra careful in case there are any members who are planning to create trouble out of frustration and anger towards our political situation in Washington, D.C. And you might be thinking, what is happening? Can any good come from this? As always, we human beings are unfailingly short-sighted in many ways, aren't we? We have a difficult time seeing beyond what is right in front of us, and we can't imagine the possibilities that exist in God's kingdom. In our scripture today, we see John's account of Jesus calling a few of his disciples. Andrew and Peter have already joined him, and now Jesus calls Philip, who then goes and recruits Nathanael. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, Come and see. 
Nazareth. Nazareth was a poor, rundown, nothing of a village that never even made it into the map back then. The people who were from there were at best of no consequence. And at worst, they were completely undesirable. And yet Philip was telling him that the answer to their prayers, the Messiah prophesied about by Moses and the prophets, was Jesus a man from Nazareth? It certainly begged the question, can anything good come from that awful place? And what did Philip say? He said, come and see. He didn't argue the point. He didn't try to convince Nathaniel with fancy words or rhetoric. He didn't give witness to any miracles. He just said, come and see for yourself. And when Nathaniel saw Jesus, Jesus proved in a matter of seconds, that he was who Philip claimed him to be, the Messiah. Nathaniel wasn't the first person to suffer from a lack of godly perspective, and he certainly wasn't the last. And today, we in the United States of America are suffering from a similar lack of perspective. Some of us are seeing conspiracies where there may not be any. Some of us are seeing a hopeless situation Some of us see a problem that can only be solved with violence. And some of us are bewildered by such notions of violence and revolution. Most of us are afraid. Some of us are angry. Many of us are weary. And most of us wonder how any good can come from any of this. And most of us are missing out on the hopeful reality of Christ Jesus in our midst. The thing is, something good can come from all of this with Jesus. Yes, something hopeful, something pure, something positive, and something worthwhile can come from all of this. If God can bring the hope of the world out of a place like Nazareth, then God can bring peace out of the chaos of our current situation. But you know, it's funny me preaching this sermon to you today because I personally cannot begin to imagine how that peace is going to happen. I, in my limited human capacity, have no vision for what that peace will look like. And yet God is telling me, pushing me, urging me to tell you that everything will be okay. God is telling me that everything is going to be okay. As Nathaniel sat beneath that fig tree, unaware that he was being observed by Jesus, we are sitting here before our television sets, before our news apps, our phones, and our computers. And Jesus is watching us as well. As Jesus saw Nathaniel's pure heart, God can see our hearts as well. As Jesus predicted a future where angels of God ascended and descended upon the Son of Man, Jesus knows our future as well. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, 
God created the heavens and the earth, the water and the land, the animals of the sea, the land and the sky, woman and man. It was good. It was so good. And if what God creates is good, and if God created Nazareth, then Nazareth is also good. And so, yes, good can come out of that dusty, impoverished, nothing of a place. And good can come from this no-good situation fraught with anger, fear, distrust, hatred, violence, ignorance, and more. God does not create the chaos. That job is the lovely work of evil itself. But God created the universe out of the chaos. And the universe is good. And so God can create wonderful things out of this chaos as well. We have to have faith. And that's what this is all about for us followers of Christ. It's about faith. Our world has tested our faith in many ways in the past year, and it continues to do so now, over and over again, as difficulty after difficulty has been thrown at us. We've had to renew our faith in God. We've had to shake off the feelings of distress and say, I believe in you. Oh God, and I have faith in you. The newly minted disciples in our scripture today were meeting Jesus at the beginning when everything seemed beautiful and full of possibility. It didn't take much for them to declare him the son of God, to pledge their loyalty to him, and to agree to drop everything and follow him. Jesus said, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And boy, did they. But they also saw devastating things. They saw their own religious leaders work tirelessly to bring down the man they loved. They saw one of their own betray Jesus and the rest of them, and their hearts broke when the soldiers took Jesus away. They saw Jesus beaten within an inch of his life while crowds of people they thought they knew spit on him and called for his crucifixion. To see these people, their people, act so irrationally, so cruelly, so horribly, for no reason that they could understand. It must have been unbelievably disorienting. And to see the Roman soldiers nail Jesus to that cross, to know that it was truly all over and there was nothing they could do to stop it, must have broken them in some way. It's possible that we know what that feels like a little bit right now. We don't know what it's like to see someone crucified, and hopefully we never will. But the rest of it, as I just said it to you, felt fairly familiar to me. And we think, how can any good come from this? And God says, trust me, of course it can. The arrest of Jesus, the crowds rioting in the streets calling for the death of an innocent man, the injustice of Jesus' beating and the powerlessness of the disciples was the most hopeless of situations. It felt like God had abandoned them all. 
No one in their right mind would have ever imagined that God would have done what he did to turn that situation around. And yet, Jesus did not stay dead. Jesus was resurrected. The veil in the temple was torn in two, making God available to everyone And just as the disciples thought that the world as they knew it was over, it was miraculously reborn into a post-resurrection world. A world of hope where God was once more able to walk with us and a world where death no longer held power over us. Now, I can't see how things will get better from here, but my faith tells me that they will get better nonetheless. My faith tells me that God can bring good out of any situation, no matter how awful, because God has done it before, many, many times. God has done it in my life, God has probably done it in yours, and God will do it again. The hope of Jesus Christ lives because Jesus lives, and we can rest assured that God's love and goodness will prevail here as well. So I would like to end this sermon with a time of silent prayer. I would like to invite you to take a moment to turn everything that worries you over to God. If it's the state of the nation, give it to God. If it's your finances, give it to God. If it's your job, give it to God. If it's concern for a loved one, give it to God. If there is anything in your life or in this world that seems too big, too terrible, and totally insurmountable, ask God to show you through to the other side, out of the chaos and the fear, and into a world filled with the light of Christ. Let us go to God in prayer. Now let us sing together our musical meditation, Yesu, Yesu.
in the miraculous power of God and the reason we know God's unending goodness is because we know Jesus. We have a God who's walked among us, who's broken bread with us, who's suffered for us, and who's sacrificed himself so that we might be with him forever. We can trust our God to take care of us and to care for us because God has already sacrificed everything on our behalf. If God can overcome death for us, God will certainly overcome the trials we're facing today. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. Loving God, as we take this bread and the fruit of the vine into our bodies, fill us with your healing spirit. Forgive us of our sins, guide us in our lives, and fill us with your peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come and eat the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. The blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Now let us sing together in celebration of all that Christ has done. Let us sing our communion hymn, Eat This Bread.
While the world might feel chaotic, rest assured in the knowledge that God brings order out of the chaos, light out of the darkness, good out of the bad, and beauty out of the ugly. God walks with you every moment of every day, and it is good. Let us sing together our hymn of sending forth, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun. Blessings abound wherever he reigns. All praise that leap to lose change. The weary find eternal rest. And all who so Yeah. Uh...